in five, four, three, two. I know you see somehow the world will change for me and be so wonderful. Okay, sorry. I had to get that out of my system. Hey guys, I'm Aiden Mattis. Welcome to the Lore Lodge Official Podcast, episode three. Uh, I'm here with our co-host and editor, Aiden Thornbury. What's going on, everybody? Blonde-haired Aiden, uh, technical Aiden, as some might call him, once once known as Aiden Se. Yes. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about kind of the stuff we've been building up all week, which is Skinwalker Ranch. And if we make it through that, then I have some topics I meant to touch on last week that I completely failed to hit. Uh, so you know, if we can make it through Skinwalker Ranch, we'll be talking about elves. I feel that's appropriate. So, uh, Aiden, did you did you do any of the research I requested you do on Skinwalker Ranch this week? Nope. I didn't think you would. <laughs> um, did you at least watch the video you edited? I did. <laughs> I didn't have much time outside of editing that video to do research. But did you pick up any information while editing the video? I did. Blue orbs. Blue orbs. Yeah. He does remember blue orbs. That's that's key. That's important. And I remember shadow people in portals. I remember. Okay, let me actually think. Um, I remember something about. No, I think I cut that. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? There was something about um, things ending up in trees. And yeah, an auger and a calf both ended up in a tree. Yes. And for those of you who didn't grow up somewhat close to farms, an auger is a large tool that is used for digging fence posts. It's basically a giant me- uh, mechanized corkscrew. I once got hit in the nuts with one, um, with the handle, not with the corkscrew I was going to say. Yeah, no. We were digging a fence post for my friend's Eagle Scout project, and we lost our grip and uh, hit whoop, right around in there. Yeah, I was, was going to say, because if you got hit with a different part of the auger, ooh, then no, I would, you would yeah, no eunuch. longer have nuts. Yeah, I, it would not have been a fun time. Yeah, it would have been the first and last time you could get hit in the nuts with an auger. Yeah. Um, for the sake of checking out on technical difficulties, Aiden, does anybody in the chat have a problem hearing us? Uh, nobody seems to be complaining. Wunderbar. So... All right. So nice I guess, you know, thing. let's start doing introductions at the beginning of this. Um, we so, should. Yeah, for those of you who are new here, I'm Aiden Mattis. Uh, I am a historian. I'm a medievalist. I'm getting my master's degree at Bangor University in North Wales. Uh, currently, we are broadcasting from my home in Pennsylvania, United States. Um give you a quick bio i just someone who has always found folklore and history and religion very interesting and um you know if you want to find me on my socials it's the aiden mattis that's the a-i-d-a-n-m-a-t-t-i-s on essentially everything except twitter where it is just aiden mattis and uh aiden thornbury how about you uh yeah my name is aiden thornbury i went to new york university with and i got a uh degree in film and journalism with a minor in psych that's fun. Um, and yeah, I've known him since early high school. Uh, I'm putting my technical and directorial knowledge to use doing this. And I'm honestly learning along with all of you about all the stuff that he knows because I, though we both watched the show Supernatural throughout its time on the air. I paid attention. Okay. He paid attention and did the research outside of watching yes. the show to know what parts of it were bullshit and what parts of it were actually like valid. I do enjoy calling out other people's bullshit. It gives me a sense of moral superiority that is just chef's kiss. All I know is that I want a 67 Impala with a 502 big block in it, and I want to shoot salt out of a shotgun. Also, with uh, that new Supernatural show that's coming up, we would love to cameo. So, uh, yeah. so Jensen, Jensen, if you hear this, 
you know, my, my DMs are open. Yeah, also, uh, today's episode is sponsored by Wawa. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, have it your way. We're, we're hitting two birds with one stone on that one. We have the meats. It's not delivery. It's Skinwalker Ranch. Um, all right. So actually getting into the discussion here. Uh, quick quick thing that I want to address because I hear a lot about it on TikTok and YouTube and just the internet in general. Uh, what is the difference between a Skinwalker and a Wendigo? And have I summoned these demons myself by saying their names? Um, I'm going to start off. No, I haven't summoned them uh, in the Native American lore for it. Skinwalker is not the word that you use to alert one to your presence. That is a Navajo word meaning it goes on all fours had to burp and uh wendigo is a very b- w- between it being an anglicized version of the algonquin word and my apparently quite thick pennsylvania accent um yeah that's what the british tell me uh apparently i have a thick accent uh between those two things i don't think i'm summoning anything can we pause on that real quick i can you go into the history because i know you know it the history behind the american and the british accent and who's really came first dude it took us like three seconds to get off track here i know oh my god okay so the american accent as we know it now is to some extent is largely the way that people spoke english up until the uh 17 and 1800s it was seen as um you know that that cockney accent that you hear a lot in britain was seen as kind of the lower class to speak in a more clear, concise, uh, non-accented form of English was the way the aristocracy spoke, and the British aristocracy, in an effort to um, separate themselves from the the Americans and the laymen, developed kind of this refined version of the lower-class accent, which uh, you still hear in the southern accent of the United States today, but kind of that... um, that high and tight sound to the accent, where they speak quite like this. And oh, quite everything is very, very poignant and pointed. And everything they say, no matter how simple, sounds shallow and pedantic. Um, I love all of our English followers. Please don't, please don't hate. Um, I'm sure you understand. You probably hate Texan accents as much as we hate London accents. Um... So, carrying on. Anyway, yeah. Skinwalkers are Native American witches who, uh, through the powers of friendship and cannibalism, turn into evil uh, evil witches. And they have to, in some legends, they just have to consume flesh. In others, it has to be the flesh of a family member. So, basically, the idea here is you've got to commit the ultimate sin possible, which is to consume your family. Um, and then they gain superhuman strength, speed, insight, the ability to astral project. A lot of things that regular old medicine men can do, but with an evil twist. Nice little hint of lime. Um, and, yeah, exactly. And uh, they they transform into these sort of off-putting versions of animals, usually larger than the actual thing, by wearing their pelts. And generally in Navajo culture, you can wear the pelt of a goat, of a deer, um, of a, a a cow, any animal that's not malevolent, um, but it is forbidden to wear the pelt of a predator, and that is kind of something that gets reserved to skinwalkers who don't care if they're being evil because that's their MO. They want to be evil. Uh, But they are humans. They are sentient. They have thoughts. They try to blend in, um, you know, and and sometimes people are like, oh, well, could you befriend a skinwalker? No, because once your tribe finds out you're a skinwalker, they're 
they're going to kill you. Um, as for the Wendigo, that's a completely different legend, and it does fall under this kind of flesh pedestrian archetype theory that I've developed. But the Wendigo is uh, a, a transformation that comes over you when you uh, commit cannibalism out of an act of desperation, and you eat the flesh of another human being. And from that point on, as a curse, you can only crave human flesh. It is your soul-driving desire. It takes away, essentially, all of your humanity, all of your sentience, and the only thing you can think of is to hunt and consume human beings. Um, and that legend varies a little bit. There's also a version where the Wendigo is an external spirit rather than a psychosis, and it will possess somebody and cause them to eat their, their loved ones. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of different variations on the legend. Um, but those are, those are the two that get talked about a lot. And the misconception seems to be that a Wendigo and a Skinwalker are the same thing. They're not. They're two separate traditions. Skinwalkers being human beings, Wendigos being essentially, uh, monsters driven solely by, formerly human monsters being driven solely by their desire to consume human flesh. So to get back to Skinwalker Ranch, uh, the history of Skinwalker Ranch begins, uh, more with the, the Yunta Basin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it's the Yunta Basin um, in eastern Utah. And there was a war between the Ute Native American peoples and the Navajo Native American peoples, who, if I'm correct, neither of which were actually originally native to the area. I think they were both from other parts of the country. Um, <clears throat> and they, they were fighting a war, and the Utes were winning, and because of the presence of the Spanish and the French and uh, the the Americans in the area, they found that not only could they kill their enemies, they could also sell them into slavery for a decent amount of money, which they could then spend to buy guns and horses and ammunition and all sorts of stuff from the Americans and the Spanish. Um, so rather than continue to fight this war and see their people sold off into slavery, the Navajo put a curse on the land. It was a skimwalker curse. And that, that tract of land where Skinwalker Ranch resides today is now known as being along the path of the skinwalker. So the Utes won't go near it because they believe there are skinwalkers there and that the, the territory is cursed and haunted. Um, the Navajo are the ones who put the curse there, so they also believe in that. And some of the settlers of the area have also started to catch on that, you know, maybe there's a Native American curse on this land. Um, so that's where the history of the ranch begins. And then People started to build on the ranch in the early 1900s, 1905, 1930. You had some UFO sightings through the 50s. And then in the 80s, a family, the Sherman family, uh, Gwen and Terry Sherman, and their kids bought the ranch. And immediately, things started to go off the rails. Uh, the very first day they were there, there was a wolf, a huge wolf that attacked one of their calves, was just gnawing on it. No matter what they did, they shot it, they stabbed it, they hit it with axes. It would not let go. And then eventually it just got bored and meandered off into the forest. And they followed its tracks into the forest, but it completely disappeared. just wasn't there. And that was just the first of, of many strange happenings. Um, I think I'm just going to go piece by piece with this so I don't lose my train of thought and go over what that might have been. Um in terms of the lore and the tradition around it, that point for point screams Skinwalker saying, get off my land. Uh, that's That seems like a warning shot. Uh, the fact that it appeared and could not be harmed by normal human tools. I uh, decided to gnaw on a calf for a little bit and then disappear into the forest. You know, that, that sounds like 
typical skinwalker. A lot of times when people report skinwalker sightings, what they're saying they've seen is a large black dog or a coyote or a wolf where the proportions are off, its legs might bend the wrong way. The point of it is they're they're seeing a large animal that can't be harmed by human means. Um, you know, they'll people will report uh, being, you know, driving down a New Mexico highway at 80 miles an hour and hearing a knock on their back window. Um, you know, if you talk to Navajo people about this, this is something they take extremely seriously. Same with the Utes. Uh, th- this is not a joke to them. And so I don't think anybody should take it as a joke. I think if anybody knows what has, what, you know, what lurks in the dark of America's wildernesses, it's probably the Native Americans. Um, so I think it's important to take what they're saying seriously. Uh, but yeah, that first instance of the that first instance of that giant wolf attacking their uh, their flock, their their cattle, screams skinwalker to me. So, uh, what what do you think, Aiden? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of possibilities, yeah, it could be like some wolf or something like that. Um, it's it's a weird color for a wolf you know because it was described as just like big and black and and things like that and most wolves are i mean there are such things as black furred wolves but they're rare yeah uh at least in terms of you know naturally occurring and stuff like that um yeah and the biggest thing is the fact that it wasn't able to be harmed by human means i mean remind me what exactly weapons they were using uh rifles shotguns axes so like what kind of like do we know anything about the ammunition that they were using and things like that not particularly but if you shoot something with any of those things it's yes and no so my only thought is that you it, know, it doesn't matter if you if you shoot a wolf with a nine millimeter it's at least going to react oh yeah gonna react for sure thing is it didn't okay so see that's <laughs> the, the report is that it just was unfazed got it okay because i was going to say like if you shoot you know if you shoot a large animal with, you know, a twenty-two, a twenty-two, it's not going to do much. But if you shoot it with a forty-five seventy, yeah, it should drop. But, yeah, exactly. You know, you know, and consider these ranch hands. You know, these are yeah, they they, they, they are probably carrying a Henry. Um, yeah, I would assume so at the very least. Yeah. So that's that's what you're looking at for the first instance. And I know with the Skinwalker Ranch TV show that came out, um, they said that they tested the fur. They pulled some of the fur off it, and this is where I don't know. This is where I get skeptical mm. because I don't know when to trust reality TV. Um, I don't know when to trust a documentary crew, but they say that they had it tested, and the test DNA came back as being a dire wolf. Uh, without going too deeply into what dire wolves are, if you've seen Game of Thrones, the idea for a long time has been that dire wolves are an extinct race of giant wolves, very similar to the the American or European gray wolf. Um, this is no longer believed to be the case. We believe that dire wolves, to the extent that they did exist, were more likely related to foxes or dingoes than they are to gray wolves. Um, but they also were likely much larger. Mm. But they and also they probably weren't black. They were probably uh, fox colored, kind of that like orange brown color. Mm. So I'm skeptical when the Skinwalker Ranch TV show people say it's, oh, well, it was Dire Wolf for, for like, I, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that, Chief. Um, so, yeah, so that's the first instance. Uh, the next one was they noticed when they got inside the house that all of the doors inside the house had deadbolts on them. Um, 
I have locks on my front door, my bedroom door, and my bathroom door. I have three doors because I live in an apartment. But uh, my parents' house, there are not locks on any doors except for the bathrooms and the doors get into the house. Probably your house is probably the same way. Um, I, I know most people, most houses I've been in don't have deadbolts on all the doors. Uh, the only reason I can think of that you would have deadbolts on all the doors is that you're worried that if somebody forgets to leave the main door locked, something's going to come in and you want to have a second line of defense. Which would make sense considering that one of the other things that they would see around the property was seven foot tall, pure black figures with no faces just roaming around the ranch that these figures would walk up to the windows, would tap on the windows, would fidget with the locks, would essentially, it seemed like they were testing to see if they could get in, but they didn't seem intent on breaking in. But if there was a door that was unlocked, they were going to take it. So whoever had built the ranch, whoever had built the house and owned it prior to the Shermans, somebody had installed these deadbolts. Um, and the for a long time, they didn't know where these seven-foot-tall beings were coming from. And that went on until a little bit later. They discovered that the, the children discovered that there were orange orbs floating around the property at night. And they would look into the orbs, and through the orbs, they could see blue skies and, you know, daylight, daytime, you know, pastures and stuff like that. And they would be just watching the orbs, and out of the orbs, you'd have a tall, black, faceless creature climb out and start walking off towards the forest. Which is terrifying to think about. Um, and, oh my god. This then, uh, I think this was the last incident before uh, NIDS got involved, which was the National Institute for Discovery Science, which is Robert Bigelow's uh, first foray into paranormal research. And Robert Bigelow was a multi-billionaire who wanted to prove that the paranormal was out there. So he put together a team of skeptical scientists, and they went down to Skimwalker Ranch. They bought it from the Sherman family and kept the Shermans on as ranch hands to maintain the cattle population and maintain the land. And the Shermans started to report a few other things. One time they were tagging newborn calves. So just putting the tags in their ears. Uh, and one was born, they tagged it, they walked away. They were maybe 45 minutes working on another calf uh, as it was being born. And when they went back to check on the first calf, they found it completely dissected, uh, bloodless they basically just found the legs but there was no blood there it looked like somebody had taken the calf put it on a surgical table dissected it to understand how it worked and then just cleaned it out and put it back where it was they called down the nids scientists nobody could explain that one the veterinarian that was with nids it basically was like yeah that's you could not possibly have done that here. This was done professionally. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but it's impossible. You, you held your hand up. Yeah, I was just going to say, do me a favor. Drop the uh, the mic and the, the pop filter a little bit. It's like covering you up like a mask. Like that? Is that better? A little bit more. Just the pop filter. Is that better? This down just a little bit. Is that better? 
Oh my god, dude. I don't well, care if the people see. can see me. I don't care. Well, I think the people care. Yeah, but The now people can tell are, me whether or not you care or not, but I think you should care. Okay, alright. So, good. anyway... Uh, among the other strange happenings, uh, Terry and Gwen went for a drive across the property one day. They passed a bullpen. There were four bulls in the pen. And when they got back 30 minutes later, the bulls were no longer in the pen. So they got out, went to look for the bulls. Where are the bulls? The bulls are in a trailer right next to the bullpen all four of them packed in which is a feat that just to get one bull inside of a trailer in 30 minutes uh pretty much impossible squeezing four bulls into a trailer where four bulls don't really fit even more impossible um so they were basically again they had no explanation for how that happens it's just suddenly there are four bulls inside the trailer Probably the most, probably the scariest happening out of all of these. Oh, and of course, there's the the auger situation where he was digging a a bunch of fence posts and he went inside to get a drink of water. This is Terry Sherman. And he came back outside. The auger was gone. They went into the woods and found it 70 feet up in a tree. This is a several hundred pound tool. You cannot move these. You know, a small one, one person might be able to move, but it would still be awkward. To get a full-size one 70 feet into a tree would require a crane. You, you just couldn't do it. You also just wouldn't do it because what what utility is there to having a fence-digging tool in a tree? Um, kids didn't do it. He didn't do it. Nids didn't do it. So they had no explanation for that one. But the scariest one out of all of them is definitely the blue orbs that would float around. Uh, Terry would report seeing lights off in the forest, and no matter what he did, he couldn't chase them off. He could never reach them. One night, he saw a blue orb floating around. His dogs were barking at it. He let the dogs go off after it, and it seemed to retreat. He was like, oh, thank God, you know, that we finally finally caught a break here. We scared it off. And then he heard the dogs yelping, and he decided, you know what, I don't want to deal with that. He went inside, locked all the doors, went to bed, went out the next morning and went looking for the dogs, and all he found was three piles of ashes. So something vaporized his dogs. I... Uh, after several years at the site, um, Nids basically was like, yeah, we we can't explain any of this. We have no idea what's going on. None of this makes sense. And the the Bigelow basically had, had nothing further to say. He was like, all right, well, I've proved that it's not natural. So the land eventually went to the government under, uh, not, it was not owned by the government, but it was, it was per privately sold again, but the U.S. government, uh, I think it's like the Advanced Aviation Threat Intervention Program or something. It's AAITP. I can't remember exactly what it stands for off the top of my head, but they started doing research on the area, continuing the ranch, to, continuing to allow the ranch to be privately owned and operated, uh, documentary crews occasionally being allowed on, and this was under the auspices of essentially figuring out what was going on with the UFO activity that had been report, reported since the 1950s. This was under Harry Reid, uh, the that then Senate Majority Leader. Uh, if you go through and you read the Podesta emails from 2016 from WikiLeaks, uh, what you're going to see is that Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 was communicating with John Podesta and Harry Reid about Hillary Clinton declassifying the information about aliens should she be elected president, which is just an absurd thing that actually happened 
Um, just those fun little details. Yeah, that exactly. Makes the story that much better. Fun little details. We Hil- Hillary little Clinton details. was gonna tell us about the aliens. Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, neither did John McAfee. Uh, but you know, anyway, moving swiftly along, uh, the government has maintained research control over the area. Documentary crews are allowed to come in and do their own testing and things as long as it's okay with the landowner. Uh, the one thing that people are not allowed to do is dig. Uh, the government said no digging. And there have been sounds of machinery heard from underground at the ranch. The one time people were allowed to dig on the property, the government told them they could dig in a very specific location. I found this out the other day. Uh, and what they found was that the groundwater under the ranch was magnetic. Okay. I don't know how you... I'm not a scientist. I don't know how you get magnetic water. I was going to say, like... Did, okay. Did they say, like, there were magnetic elements within the water, or did they say the water itself... The What I read said the water itself was magnetized. Like, charged. Electromagnetically charged water. Okay, that makes a little more sense, because water can hold can an electric be, charge. But why would it be? Underground. Yeah. That unless, doesn't make much sense. Unless you've got, like, a power line that has a break in it that is somehow crossing within the yeah. water table... But out there at Skinwalker Ranch, highly unlikely no. that there is a powered cable underneath yeah. the ground. So essentially, you've got electromagnetically charged water underground. And on top of that, you've got machinery noises underground and a government agency saying, no, you can't dig. Um, to me, all of that sounds like there is something definitely going on at Skinwalker Ranch, something going on in the wider Yenta Basin. I... I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think, uh, given the information that you've learned over the past couple of days? I mean, uh, from a general standpoint, at the very least, there's something weird going on there. I mean, you can't look at all of this evidence, even if you're the most skeptical person about the paranormal, which I'm, I'm not the most skeptical, but I'm pretty skeptical. Considering all of these stories throughout this long history of time... And the detail of the stories, the specific elements that just don't... Like, even just the fact that all of the rooms in the house had deadbolts. That alone must make you say, okay, what's going on here? Because it's something. Like, there... it, You know, without any other context whatsoever, you have to be able to look at that and say, okay, what is going on here? And then when you add all of these paranormal elements to it, like things ending up in trees the wolf creature thing that wasn't affected by, you know, gunfire and axes and things like that. And then, you know, you look at these essentially what they were portals, you know, the, mm-hmm. the you know, the orbs uh, and shadow figures coming out of them that are taller and not the correct proportions of normal humans. And then, you know, now you're talking about, you know, the electromagnetic or electromagnetized water. It just, it, there's too much occurring within a small window of, just space for it to not warrant massive questions and just like continuous questions Mm -hmm. because none of the questions that are being asked by anybody are getting proper answers and that's the curious thing is the government evading giving proper answers who would have think who would have thought uh but yeah no it doesn't make any sense there are way too many things that stand out as unanswerable or not even unanswerable just things that clearly require or desire further 
investigation and the fact that further investigation is not being allowed to occur, that in and of itself is the biggest red flag. Yep. I love that you said think instead of thought there. Uh, that really, really made me happy. Um, yeah, so it's it's one of those situations where there is, you know, I think one of the weirdest things about it is that if you look at another top secret area like Area 51, nobody's allowed there. People aren't allowed in Area 51. People are allowed at Skimwalker Ranch. So it seems to me that they're using Skimwalker Ranch's paranormal reputation to cover up whatever they're actually doing there. Um, you know, Native American curse or not, there probably is a Native American curse. There probably are skinwalkers at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, but it seems to me like the government is using that to cover up some sort of research. Uh, you know, the, the portals thing I find very interesting because could that be a situation where the government has figured out how to open up portals between either different worlds or one place on earth and another and they're trying to figure out, you know, maybe the cattle mutilations were them sending cows through the portals. And then the autopsies were to determine if there was any internal damage from the portals. And then maybe the people climbing through them were wearing some sort of protective gear. And that's why they appeared too tall with no faces in pure black. You know, there, there, there are a lot of possibilities. And that's getting into, like, deep into conspiracy theory territory. But it's always an interesting thing to think about. Um... And I am going to take a, a quick break right here to give a, a little bit of a sponsorship shout out. Um, Aiden, do I smell good? You generally smell quite fabulous. I generally smell quite good. And uh, that is because I use Duke Cannon Supply Co. And I use that for my soaps, my hair, and uh, my, my shampoo and conditioner. And I, you know, I personally, you know, it's, it's cold pressed soap. It's all natural ingredients. Stuff is phenomenal. I use it all the time. Um, I will, I will probably never go back to dollar store, drugstore, uh, hair products, um, and skincare products. The stuff is gross. Men, I know you don't think you need to take care of your skin and your hair, but Duke Cannon makes it very easy to do so and do so healthfully. Uh, as you can see, Aiden and I both have luscious, soft to the touch hair. And it's, it's really, you know, if you were here with us, we would both say, yeah, go ahead, run your hands through it. Understand, feel, taste the rainbow. Um, but if you're interested in getting some of your own Duke Cannon Supply Co. products, go to linktr.ee slash Mattis and click on the Duke Cannon Supply Co. link in there, and that will take you to their website. So go ahead and do that if you're feeling, uh, feeling like you want to feel fresh. And, uh, you know, the, the ladies will love it. Your, your grandmother will love kissing you on the forehead. Uh, babies will love you. Small animals will love you. And most importantly, you're less likely to get cancer than if you use what is classified as detergent by the FDA. So uh, that said, back to Skinwalker Ranch. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite theory regarding Skinwalker Ranch is regarding the the blue orbs. Uh, because what if the government actually does have a weapon that is a floating blue orb that shoots out lightning and can vaporize organic beings? Um, if we do have that, how are we still in Afghanistan? Yeah. Why does the Taliban still exist? Um, well, I can, but, you know, think about it, because that one, that one seems very plausible. Yeah, well, that one seems very plausible, but I guess at the same point, you know, you have to... There are a number of variables that you need to know before you can utilize that as a weapon, and considering that the Taliban and all those things... Well, ISIS all those is kind of human like, rights codes and whatnot... 
but like Geneva Convention, like you 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 kind of have to know where everybody is and you know True. what this you know the like if you're trying to put somebody or something into a cave system where people are hiding out, you need a thorough three dimensional map of that cave system so people or the weapon doesn't show up within a rock formation mm-hmm. instead of the actual tunnel. Exactly. So, but this is again going very far into the conspiracy you, theory could you territory. you imagine like a, being able to pilot like a little blue drone and it just shoots lightning at people? It'd be crazy. Like, oh my god. The, the, it would be awesome if it had like a really low power setting too. Mm-hmm. So you could just set it to like a little zap. Yeah, just so, piss everybody off. Yeah, so like, you know, you're you're hanging out on a Sunday and, you know, your, your kid didn't get invited to some classmate's birthday party. So like you just, you pilot your little drone over to the birthday party and you, you zap the birthday boy a few times. <laughs> meanwhile, give him a little z- meanwhile, his parents just got him the Blue Ward drone and then he goes to zap you to get you back, but he forgot to turn down level and then you're dead. Yeah, and then he and his parents both go to prison. It's a win-win for your kid. Um, uh, yeah. Revenge is a Die dish. Die in the line of duty like a man. Revenge is a dish best served electromagnetically charged. Exactly. Maybe that's where the electromagnetically charged water came from. Maybe it is. <laughs> They're zapping. It makes so much sense. <laughs> They're putting electromagnetism lightning drones in the water to turn the freaking water supply magnetic. If only Edmund <laughs> Dantes had a little blue orb that shot electricity it would have made his venture a lot easier i need alex jones to explain the blue orbs that shoot electricity to me i don't need it to be a correct explanation i just need alex jones explaining that to me do you want to do your best attempt at being alex jones explaining that oh god i don't i don't think that's a good idea Um, why because i just can't think of anything off the top of my head and if i do it's probably gonna come out super offensive yeah that's fair (laughs) (laughs) probably will not Say the correct words. Um, oh boy, but yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you claim you're just in the character of Alex Jones, yeah, exactly. pretty much anything can pass. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty retarded. Um, <laughs> still probably the yeah. the best quote from him oh of my all God. time. It's, it's phenomenal, an amazing quote. Um, I am a gorilla. Murder yourself. <laughs> What is that? Just quoting Alex Jones things that I remember. Although when that, did he say that? He said it on Tim Pool's show. Um, really? Yeah, it was like, and wow. you're like, Alex, what are you talking about, my guy? And then they changed it into a whole other thing. Michael Malice was doing like a whole "I am a gorilla, love yourself" kind of thing. <laughs> oh my god! It's just they have a T-shirt that has a gorilla on it now. That's part of their brand. Yeah. See, that's oh, up. speaking of brand. There we go. See, we are professionals. We do know how to segue. We do, in fact, now have merch. Uh, that is, again, in that same link tree because I haven't bought a domain yet. But uh, Aiden, you want to toss the... It's link dot, it's linktr.ee slash the Aiden Mattis. Uh, and if you go to that, it will have a link to our Teespring store where you can buy official Lore Lodge merch. Currently, we have some understated tees, some overstated tees. We got the Lift Lodge. Um, we've got, uh, some phone cases, some mugs, all, all good stuff, but you uh, said link tr.ee slash the, the Aiden Mattis, right? Yes. Cool. Just making sure. Um, so that, you know, if you want to, if you want to buy some Lore Lodge merch and support the show, that's a good way to do it. Um, but, uh, what time is it? It is 7:40. Perfect. Let's move on to the elves. Perfect. <laughs> so w- one of the things I have kind of become aware of the more I've been doing this cross-examination of mythologies is the similarities between 
uh, elves in Nordic mythology and the Tuatha in um, Gaelic mythology. Some of the some of the characters in uh, Welsh mythology, but that's very Christianized. It's hard to actually keep track. But just uh, you know, there's there's a lot of subsections of gods that you don't quite get an explanation of when you're talking when you're when you're in grade school. Uh, so in in Norse mythology, you've got uh, a few different a few different classes of gods. You've got uh, the Jotnar, who are the frost giants, and they're not the gods, but they are these um, you know these kind of primordial beings. The gods themselves tend to be descended from um, from Jotun. From either they have a, a giant mother or a giant father. Um, they're not necessarily large, but they're just known as frost giants. Uh, so, for example, Odin is the son of the first Aesir god and a Jotnar uh, giant wife. Uh, Loki is the son of a Jotnar and a god S. Uh, it's not re- referred to exactly. She's only ever referred to that one time. And Loki is also one of the only Norse gods who is referred to in the matrilineal. So he's Loki Laufison, I think. Um, and then there's the Aesir and the Vanir. And the Aesir are kind of the more... I don't want to call them the, the more masculine gods, but they're the more uh, like aggressive set of gods. They're the gods of activities and of thunder and of blacksmithing and the gods of knowledge and all those things. And then the Vanir are more like fertility gods, gods of nature, um, things like that. So it, they're not necessarily like a lower tier of gods, but they're also not quite like you wouldn't pray to a Vanir god before battle. You would pray to Odin or Thor. Um and then separate from the Vanir, you have kind of this subclass of semi-divine beings who are kind of these, kind of like nature spirits who are elves, and they're not touched on a ton in Norse mythology, at least not what we still have of it, but what we know is that they were fairer, they were stronger than humans, they had semi-divine capabilities, uh, they lived in their own plane of existence in Alfheim, um, and when you compare that across mythologies, you get very close to how the Tuatha are described, uh, the Tuatha Danann from Irish mythology. And these are the people who, as I said last week, are the they were one of the invading groups from Ireland, um, who uh, I think they were the they're the one of the descendants of the Nemedians, um, and they're driven out by the Fear Bolg, but they are these god-like beings they are not in the version we have now they are not gods but they are more like semi-divine beings who have control over certain aspects of nature um over certain parts of reality they are very similar to the nordic concept of elves they're these beautiful uh you know superhumans who are beloved of the gods and they are the ones who retreat into the fairy mounds when Humanity drives them out, um, and that's how you get into the whole other world thing. So, I, uh, you know, just for I want to get your opinion on a skeptic as a skeptic here about you know the possibility of elves having existed alongside human beings at some point. Um, you know, did 
the idea of them retreating into the fairy mounds and becoming part of a pocket dimension. And then, of course, uh, the classic Alex Jones quote of when you do DMT, you're going to meet the clockwork machine elves. And, and if you think all of this somehow ties together or if this is just the ramblings of a madman. Have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, sorry, had to. Um, I don't know about the pocket dimension. I mean, those things are... I liked your analysis. Out of, of all of that, the pocket dimension is the one you're not sure about? Okay, give me a second here. Okay. I'm getting into okay. it. I'm getting right. into it. Okay. So, give me, give me a second. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, the thing I started with the pocket dimension thing is because... I liked your analysis of dimensions within, I can't remember which video it was, but just kind of the idea of, you know, when discussing dimensions and the other worlds and multidimensional beings. Exactly. When discussing the idea of dimensions, you know, it's kind of this, you know, ethereal, you know, out there thing of like, oh, there's other dimensions mm -hmm. that existence can happen in. And then you think back and you're waiting because you reined it in. You're like, well, let's hang on. Let's take a second. Think about this for you know a minute. Every religion describes different dimensions in a sense. They don't use the word dimensions because it's a modern term, but you use the examples of heaven and hell as essentially being other dimensions in which existence occurs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Christianity and things like that and Judaism... Judaism that, does not have the same concepts of heaven and hell. Good to know. Yeah. He's also a religious um, scholar. I yeah. am not. Anyway. Just, I will briefly touch on that Go really ahead. quick. Uh, Judaism does have an afterlife, but it is a much more ambiguous afterlife. Mm. Uh, there is kind of, there is not this description as there is in Christianity of heaven being this place where you'll go and be in communion with God and never want for anything, never need anything. It's kind, it's more of a neutral, um, eternal existence where you will be happy, you'll be fulfilled, but you, you know, it's not, it's not glorified so much and it's not even discussed that much. Mm. Uh, the, the focus of Judaism is much more on your earthly life. Whereas Christianity is much more on securing your place in the afterlife. Uh, and then in Judaism, you also, and I might be getting this part wrong, but you have the concept of uh, Shoal, which is, I guess you could relate it to Tartarus um, mm -hmm. in Greek mythology, because this all probably, th these ethnic and cultural groups were all in contact with one another, where um, Shoal would be, you know, where you're separated from the congregation of the Lord and you are. Not necessarily, it's not like Christian hell where you're in eternal torment, but mm. you're just in this kind of place of non-existence almost where mm. it's it's just eh. Like so it's you, almost... You kind of fade out of existence. So... It's idea, not eternal torment. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost sounds more like the Christian idea of... Um, Purgatory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar, but go on. So yeah, so essentially going into that, you know, potentially... You know, in terms of the that element of it, I think on a scientific and historical level, I think the idea of because elves is another modern term, well, modern-ish term. Um, I don't know how how far back does that term terminology go? Do you know? Elves. Yeah. Ooh. Like, long, long way back. Like that specific term. Like, like the, the the Norse have believed in elves for a very long time. Okay. Well, elf elf comes from alf, which okay. is a Norse term. Got it. So. Nonetheless, I was going to essentially say that, like, okay. Proto-Norse, at least. So, so let me adjust what I was going to say then. It's not the term, but it's the kind of the idea of the term in the sense of modern visions of the word elf 
immediately links it to fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not something that anybody thinks of existing. It's mm-hmm. something that people think of as in like Lord of the Rings or different other you know elements like that. But you know, something that we just kind of discovered within the past few couple hundred years are you know Neanderthals and you know Homo halibus and all of these other human-like creatures that were not Homo sapiens, but they were close. They just had different features, different capabilities, and things like that. Who's to say that there was not another group of humanoid beings? Again, slightly different in features, slightly different in makeup, but... With the capability to shift between dimensions. And I mean... And if you look at it in terms of world religions and world cultures, mm-hmm. um, you know the way that we get this description of elves is them being these extremely fair, powerful... Uh, you might call them mighty men, even. Um, which, if we'll remember Genesis 6, which I mentioned a few weeks ago on the Friday uh, episode, is how the Nephilim, the children of the Nephilim, are described. So this all cycles right back in to Near Eastern mythology and, and religion mm. with the idea that, you know, the, the Irish have these semi-divine beings, uh, the Norse have these semi-divine beings. The Judeo-Christian faith has these semi-divine beings. Um, the East Asian and Southeast Asian faiths have semi-divine beings. Uh, Native American faiths have semi-divine beings who all share these essential characteristics that they are uh, stronger than the average man, beautiful, and just at a certain point fade from existence as far as we know. Um, the, the Norse have the explanation that they exist in a separate plane of existence, a separate dimension, Alfheim. Uh, the Celts say that they retreated into the other world. And in uh, Judeo-Christian lore, they, they were killed um, or they went somewhere else. Mm. Uh, I don't know as much about the, the Hindi and uh, East Asian faiths. So my question there is, is mainly in the Norse and other, you know, ideologies or you know religions in terms of what happened to these elves where exactly do they say they went uh it depends on which one you're looking at like like i said in in the norse one it's they're they're in alfheim they're in this specific world that is the the world of the elves like Mm. midgard is the world of the humans and asgard is the world of the gods Mm. um and there are ways in norse mythology to travel between realms there's also some suggestion that the Norse didn't really think of it quite as these were separate realms, but that these were realms that intersected and interwove. And sometimes you could be in two of them at once. Um, you know, the idea that uh, Asgard and Jotunheim kind of run right up against each other and they're just separated by this giant river. Uh, you know, that you could interpret that in a lot of ways through a modern lens, through a you know, critical literary lens. What are we looking at here? Mm. Um, but it, yeah, so in in Norse mythology, they have their own plane, Alfheim, and in uh, Celtic mythology, they went into the other world, so they went underground. Um, in Judeo-Christian theology, uh, the the Nephilim were killed in the Great Flood, or I uh, you know at times. You know, in the Apocrypha, you, you have them hunted down. Um, 
And some of them, you know, there's a suggestion that there may have been a tribe of Nephilim that survived the flood all the way up until, uh, you know, the, the time of Moses. Um, but, yeah, so they each have kind of a different explanation for where they went, but that explanation is usually they entered another dimension or they live in another dimension. Um, and now they don't walk alongside us anymore. But they are widespread throughout mythology. Mm which I think is very interesting. It is. Uh, the natives, however, do... There are, there are Native American and First Nations legends about giants that are quite literally like 30 stories tall. Um, but that's... You know. There are some things that we can look at and go, yeah, there's some archaeological, anthropological evidence that supports that. And then there's stories that you've got to look at as fantastical, which I would include 30-foot-tall giants and... You know, like Mars coming down and birthing the family of Julius Caesar among those. That's a new one yeah, for me. Yeah, the, the Julii, Julii or the Brutii, I forget exactly which one, but one of the two claimed to be descended from Mars. Um, and, Mar- and and claiming claiming uh, ancestry with gods was very common throughout yeah, European let's history. Just, let's just clarify that Mars is the Roman god. god. Yes. Roman God of War. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... But my, my point there being that they're... Every culture, as much as they have a lot of similar legends about plausible things, mm. probably have an equal amount of legends about... Probably not. Like, mm. the the Norse believed that when you saw Thunder and Lightning, that was Thor fighting with the Jotun. Mm. Probably not. It's probably just Thunder and Lightning. Um, but... A lot of times, cultures would use these kinds of things to explain natural phenomenon, such as thunder and lightning would be, you know, in Scandinavia, it would be Thor fighting the giants. Uh, In Greece, it would be Zeus throwing a temper tantrum. Um, Yeah, so you got things like that. Uh, So a lot of ancient pagan myths and legends have to do with explaining natural phenomenon in a way that we can now explain, and those are the ones that I kind of look at, and I'm like, all right, we have an explanation for that. Which is why I take more of an interest in the ones we don't have an explanation for. Such as Wendigo and Nephilim and Tua de Danan and things like that. Where it's like, what? what's your concrete explanation of that? Because we have a concrete explanation of thunder. Hmm. We don't have a concrete explanation of fairy mounds. Oh. So, what time we got? It is 7.56, so do we want to start gearing up? I think we should uh, gear up for questions. Did I succeed in turning Super Chats on this week? Uh, We're going to find out. Could you let us know in the comments whether or not Uh, we succeeded in Super Chats? Also, before we hop into comments, why don't we... Can you not see it? uh, Well, I can see them, but I... uh, I don't know. Oh, wait, yeah, no. I can see a little money button. Oh! support the Lure Lodge. Yeah, there's a little... There's a money sign. Oh, can I see uh, I've never seen this before, so I'm excited, so I'm going to walk around here really quick. Fair enough, go for it. While Aiden picks a question. Uh, yep, we don't have any questions yet. Feel free to send them in now. This little dollar sign here, I believe. Yeah, that's what it is. Cool. Um, so while we're waiting for questions to come in, why don't we uh, kind of plug ourselves, let people know where they can find us. Also, sure, that makes sense. Do we want to, uh, do we want to announce the the box, the mailbox? Oh, yeah. Uh, so for the time being, uh, if people would like to send us things, I feel pretty secure in giving out my mailbox, uh, which is, 
I guess you can type this in the, the chat. Um, yep. It's 131 Bridge Street, and that's apartment 1425. Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. You said 1335? No, no, no. 1425. There we go. That's much better. Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, zip code 19460. Please don't send me anthrax or ricin. I will be very upset with you. Um, I will call your mother and tell her that you are not allowed at Thanksgiving anymore. If you are in a country that doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, then I will find a culturally appropriate holiday to ban you from. Um, also, that does go to a secure locked mailbox, so don't think about sending me anything funky. Um, and we will be setting up a P.O. box at some point, probably when we figure out where our permanent residence is going to be for the next year or so. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you want to send us stuff, uh, feel free to do it that way. I don't know what you would send us, but... Whether it's so, ideas are. Uh, we know a couple of people have some desires to send us some equipment to help us improve the quality of both this show and other shows, and allow us to do some in the field work, um, which would be incredible. Uh, we'd love to be able to get out in the field and record things properly, but you know, as of right now, it's just a little difficult. We um, have no money. We have no money. <laughs> um, we did just get a super chat though for two dollars, which hey. I, I will I will ask that question first. All super chat questions get priority. Yes. Um, so, we don't have a ton of questions, but we did last time, and in, in the future, it, you know, we will as as this grows, we will have to prioritize yes. the super chat questions. Yes. So, anyway, um, it's it's kind of along the lines of we don't have to answer every question, but we have to answer super chat questions. That is the rule we have set for ourselves. Yes, is we will answer all super chat questions, and so. if we get through them, and there's questions remaining, we will answer those questions. Yes. So if there's a question you're dying to really have us here um, and we just haven't gotten to it yet, uh, as we're closing out to the end of the show, if you want to do that, it'll guarantee that we yes, will, we will answer, answer every Super Chat question. Yes. So, uh, and then, you know, so uh, in terms of the, the P.O. box, if you want to send us, you know, fan art and things like that, we're going to put it on the wall behind us so that way it's there every episode. Um, it, all of that would be greatly appreciated. Mm -hmm. We know we've had some submissions for that. So if you're one of those people who has created something and wants to send it to us somehow, now you have that opportunity. Um, anything. I mean, even if it's just a note saying like, you know, thanks, you know, for doing what you're doing or just literally anything. I mean, a lock of be, your hair for Aiden to sniff before bed every night. It'll just, it'll help me with my dreams. It's better than it's already got tea, seven locks of hair. So many locks. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so there's that. So you're going to be able to do that. Um, you know, you can still find him on TikTok at yes. the Aid Mattis, along with Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat. Uh, also, uh, we did launch the Lore Lodge Clips um, TikTok. So yes. if you look up the Lore Lodge Clips on TikTok, uh, there will be a lot of content posted on there in the future. Right now, it's just got one video, but that's going to be uh, clips from our our live shows from our uh, our Friday episodes, all of that. So that, those will be some of the more professionally done, nicer ones that aren't just TikToks. Yep. Um, and those will be probably be up to three minutes. Those will probably be like three-minute long clips. Yeah. So you'll be able to catch those. Um, if you're watching this and you're not subscribed on YouTube yet, go ahead and smash the like button and subscribe and hit that notification bell. Um, you know, I... Uh, We'll, we'll, we should go down to Philly and film us hitting the Liberty Bell and make that a notification bell symbol. Would we that might be legal? As well. 
Can, can we do that? Probably not. Probably not, but like... If we sneak in. Yes. I think... We're not going to do that. I think Benjamin Franklin would be proud. I think Ben Franklin would be proud. Of us? Um, you know, the, the history's biggest player, uh, if you've read... What a guy. He what really a just, guy. He really just said, let me invent about two dozen things, spend about the entire war in France just with a different Flat woman every sheets. night, and then come home and... Write Bring chlamydia to the new world. He really did. Blame him for STDs. He created all of them. In fact, he invented them. He did. That was one of the few dozen things he invented. Exactly. The first yeah. dozen things he invented, useful uh, pieces of machinery. The second, chlamydia. All 12, actually, were yeah. just different versions of chlamydia. They were. All variants. Yep. All right. Do we have questions to answer? Yes, we do. Uh, so, the first question is the Super Chat question. Uh, $2 from Commander Canada, two, three, or 213. Yo, Canada, my guy. Asks us, do you miss the rage? The, the rage? <laughs> the rage. I don't know what he means. I don't know either, but I... I do I miss the rage? Answer the question as honestly as possible. Without any content? Just, yes. Just like, do you just... Well, what? I did have anger issues as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So d- d- assume that's what he's talking about do and I give us the answer. miss the rage? Uh, no, I've been vibing. I kind of enjoy vibing. Yeah? Um, yeah, I... I, I, I I don't miss Rage Against the Machine, if that was the question. Why? Um, because they were all about not being corporate sellouts, and then their most recent tour, the tickets were like 200 bucks for general admission, which is just ridiculous. Right? That's insane. That's insane. Like, I, I'm going to an all-time low concert this summer. You want to know what the tickets cost me for a six-band lineup? How much? 96 bucks. That's it? That's it. Nice. T- for two. Not bad. Yeah, how are you going to be Rage Against the Machine and then be the machine? I am the machine. Sorry. <laughs> Sellouts. Anyway, next question. Uh, this is from Corrupt Slack Row Podcast. Uh, could fleshy boys have some sort of burial rituals and that's why we don't find the carcasses? I have not entertained that theory. It's possible, but I, I, I think if you were looking at if you were looking at skinwalkers particularly, then that's possible. Um, that because they do they do have a social structure with elders and everything. Uh, but at the same time, skinwalkers are human in in form. Uh, so you would have to so you wouldn't really have a reason for a burial ritual. Whereas Wendigos, uh, the the idea is that they're made biologically immortal by their curse. Um, so they, and they're also very solitary, so they wouldn't bury each other. Uh, so unfortunately the more likely possibility is the more terrifying possibility, which is that, uh, they don't die all that often. I would say most likely so. Okay. We have another one from Commander Canada as a $5 uh, submission. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, again, like we said, super chats get priority. So, um, have you ever seen the show Lost Tapes and the episode, uh, the episode Skinwalker and Wendigo? I have not. Uh, is it on Hulu or Netflix? That's a good question. We we'll we'll look into that. Yeah, um, we will look into that. Yeah, uh, that would be a a great thing for us to watch. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, we could probably end up doing critiques of different programs, calling out whether yeah. or not they're BS. 
I think we'll have a lot of time to do that soon. Yeah, probably. Um, as as we as we manage to create a better schedule for ourselves where we can create content more efficiently, we're finding we have time to do things we didn't think we had time to do. It's great. We're getting there slowly but surely. But, you know. Also, if you would like to join Aiden and I on our fitness journey, um, we will be uh, going on a fitness journey. Yes. So tonight is the last night that we are We're, allowing yeah. ourselves to be anything but just brutal, brutally. Yeah. So we've got our poppums. Um, yep. We got the poppums. Um, quick question. I'm curious. Uh, very Pennsylvania question about to happen here. Yes. Uh, Entenmann's or Tasty Cake? Uh, it depends on what I'm having. Personally, I, I prefer Tasty Cake. So it, it depends. If it's like those cupcake type things, Tasty Cake oh, takes God, the bag. Dude. The, oh, the butterscotch crimpets. Yeah. And and the things oh. with the, like the cream fillings or whatever, fantastic. Mm. But like... For just the donuts, you think Entenmann's? Yeah. I think Entenmann's rock the donuts train. That's a fair point. That's yep. a fair point. Uh, Pep right. just saw. She said it's on Hulu and YouTube, so we will All check right. it out. All right. That's what much. we will be doing tonight. Yes. But anyway, to go in a little bit further in depth in our fitness journey, just in case anybody gives a shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make a Snapchat story for there our fitness go. journey. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, I'll make so, it a private story. So add me on Snapchat if you want to be added to the fitness journey. It yes. will be goofy. It will be yes. silly. Yes. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Yes. You'll lose 10 pounds. You'll well, gain we'll lose back. 10 pounds. Yes. Um, hopefully. Between More the two of that. us, I think we can lose 10 pounds. I think my goal is to lose like at least 15. Uh, if you lose like 30 pounds, then I can gain 20 and we'll still have lost 10 pounds. Exactly. It's fine. So, it works yeah. out perfectly. So he's going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to become yes. obese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially what the thing is, is that so we were both working out earlier in the pandemic and we both put on a decent amount of muscle. And then uh, I went on a road trip for about a month and just didn't do anything except eat vigorously and i don't have an excuse i just gave up <laughs> fair so we made the pact uh late last week and we said you know what we're gonna get ourselves back into shape uh you know i didn't tell you i didn't tell you what oh yeah so we're spending our last night doing this uh we're gonna drop some weight first i ate half a domino's pizza today Yes, he's very he, – he, he can eat a full pizza himself. It's impressive. Those Italian jeans, man. Oh, it absolutely is. I didn't tell you what my goal is, though. My goal is I want to be able to make the competitive uh, ranking for the Navy SEAL entrance test just as a, you know, a goal to be able to do that. And it's uh, – I can tell you what it is if you want to know. I want to be able to run a mile without feeling intense lower back pain. Okay. So <laughs> – the Navy SEAL PT, PST standards. PTSD standards? Yes. Well, those we could never possibly meet. Um, so first it starts with a 500-yard yard swim in... I can do uh, that. In eight minutes. I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that's the competitive standards. Then it's a 10-minute break. Then you I have can to definitely do, do that. Yes. Then it's 80 to 100 push-ups. I can do that. Two-minute break. 80 to 100 sit-ups. I can do that. Two-minute break. 15 to 20 pull-ups. Oh, my God, yeah. Ten, or two minute, or sorry, 10-minute break. And then it's a 1.5-mile timed run in 9 to 10 minutes. I can definitely do almost all of those things individually. Doing them in that sequence, I would probably die. Exactly. So we want to get ourselves to a point where we can do that well. I'm starting to lose faith in this fitness journey. No, sir. I'm, <laughs> I'm, we're, I don't know about you, but I might be... Some days I might be working out twice a day. Oh, Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, Do we have more questions? <laughs> yes. Uh, another super chat from Matreon. Matreon. Yes, for one ninety nine. Thank you, Matreon, for your generous donation. Uh, it's not a question. It's just a 
it's a command. Okay. Be more active on Discord from the entire Discord. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to tell them the schedule that you're planning? I, I put the schedule in the announcement. Would you like to tell them just in oh case they didn't right. see the announcement? So I will be in the, the general... Or no, I'll be in the campfire on Discord, which is the $1 Patreon tier. Um, I, I guess there's also other ways to get to it, but the $1 Patreon tier... It's the $1 Patreon tier plus the 70, level 75 and, and up. It's the... And or. And or. The level 75 uh, It's up. the... I believe that's uh, investigators. Okay, so point is one dollar Patreon tier or level seventy and or level seventy five and up. Yeah. Uh, that's the campfire. I'll be in there from seven to seven thirty on Tuesday nights, and then I will be in the cabin, which is the five dollar Patreon tier or level one hundred. One hundred hunters level and or level one hundred uh, from seven to eight on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So I yes. will be in there. Two and a half hours per week, guaranteed. Uh, and then I will pop into the general now and then. Um, probably going to stream some Mountain Blade. Uh, we're talking about making a Minecraft server for everybody yep. to putz around in. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that that will be my schedule for it. Um, as, as our schedules open up a little bit more, then I'll try and hop in a, a bit more. But I, I'm committing right now to those two and a half hours a week. Uh, and then when I'm not in there, I'll try and be in the general a little bit more often. Um, going to do some Twitch streaming too, I think, once we get that all figured out. Yep. Uh, if you play um, like Modern Warfare, if you play Warzone, Battlefield, also I'll be uh, happy to happy to squad up with some people. World of Tanks, if anybody plays World of he Tanks. He plays World of Tanks, so definitely play some World of Tanks with Aiden. Going to be playing some of that later on tonight after we're in... Um one of the VCs for a little bit after All this. All right. Yeah. Uh, and we will be in the general tonight. Yes. Um, so we'll be in the general voice chat tonight. Um, say 15 minutes after the show ends, probably. Yes. Roughly. Right. Yeah. So from. So if about, you're not in the Discord yet, join the Discord. Yep. Um, yeah. Anything in new? Uh, yeah. Other than that, so my, my schedule will be a little bit more haphazard because I, you know, I've, I've got a little, a little more going on. Uh, and I'll try and be in whatever he's in, but, you know, we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, so the plugs, you know, I'm at the director Aiden on TikTok and Instagram if you want to follow those. Um, any other further plugs? Oh, uh, yeah, I was on um, the Cryptid and Paranormal Committee's podcast mm -hmm. uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, so just, you know, go check that out if you want some more me content. Uh, they're they're pretty cool. They're trying to get some actual investiga investigatory stuff going. Uh, so go check that out. Toss them some views. They deserve it. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think as far as plugs go, I did the Duke Cannon plug. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to check out, uh, if you want to really help us, we're trying to get a sponsorship with a, uh, a company called Padcaster. Um, so if you go show their website some love, I... Uh, going to direct you guys to the the verse it's the 299 tier we're going to be unboxing it tomorrow uh we had a, a very generous donation of one so we're going to be unboxing that tomorrow on youtube and uh tiktok but go show the uh the verse on padcaster's website some love show them that uh we can we can make an impact drive drive some traffic to them um but yeah i think that's that's everything i have for plugs perfect so we will go back into some of the questions. So uh, one from Krupp Slack, uh, Slack Row Podcast is, the TikTok you posted with the guy riding a bike and a monkey thing that jumped out, is it possible it could be a baby one of the fleshy boys? I don't think there are baby fleshy boys. 
There you go. That that is my answer. There I think these are very ancient creatures um that are 100% adults uh all of them all of the surviving ones i think what we saw in that was either a guy in a suit or a monkey there we go uh next one is ducky may hey so would taking a group photo before a hiking trip help when it comes to mimics uh yes it helps if someone goes missing but would it help be, uh to be a more useful thing down the line i think i know what they mean but yeah i mean if it Taking a group photo would definitely help to determine if somebody new has joined your group. Um, Because you'd look at it and be like, oh, well, Steve wasn't in the photo. And, you know, maybe Steve's going to have a really good explanation. Maybe he took the photo. Uh, So would it be a a catch-all? No. But it it would be at least helpful um, to have that. More so just, you know, make sure you know your numbers and, you know, before you go, maybe decide on some sort of code phrase or something that it it wouldn't know. Good plan. Uh, Let's see. Here's another one. Uh, Is it against the law to put a fleshy boy in your mother-in-law's house and let it do whatever it wants with her? No comment. My lawyer has advised me not to comment. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, from Another one from Commander Canada. Have you ever seen the show? Oh, no, no, that was uh, before that. Um, what are some states that have the most flesh pedestrian sightings from overclocked? Uh, I'm not going to give you state by state, but I will give you region. Um Yellowstone and Yosemite National Parks, the Appalachian Mountains, and the American Southwest, like Utah, New Mexico, Arizona. Those are going to be some of your most your most active. Uh, the Adirondacks, um, I guess uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. I think those are those are probably the ones you would need to watch out for the most. Um, but again, anywhere with big untamed forests and lots of caves uh so the pacific northwest the the pacific northwest however seems to be a little bit safer and i think it might be because of bigfoot from the native american lore it seems that bigfoot wards off the fleshy boys interesting would would it be a great creature feature to have bigfoot versus a wendigo Yes, yeah. that would be phenomenal. See, that sounds way better than Godzilla versus King Kong because yeah. in that one, there's actually a fight. Unlike Godzilla versus King Kong, which we all knew from the beginning. Nuclear lizard. Nuclear lizard. Nuclear big ass lizard was going to win. No contest. Nuclear never... lizard beats big monkey. Anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> Moving along. Moving right along. Uh, another question. So people are asking about squonks. Uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. So I was reading up on the squonk today. Uh, it's a Northern Pennsylvania legend and it seems to have just appeared in the 1900s. Okay. Uh, there is no previous mention of it prior to the, the early 1900s. Um, and it coincides with a book that came out that was a bestiary of fearsome, fearsome critters. I think it's called, um, so it seems to be fictional. Uh, might be based on real stuff, but it, it it seems to be just a fictional thing. 
Uh, okay, another question from Alex, one of our mods. Uh, question, time travel, question mark. Oh, yeah. Um, so lots to address there. There's the Philadelphia experiment, which was uh, in, during, either during or directly after World War II. I'm not remembering my dates entirely, but there was a ship docked in Philadelphia, and they were attempting um, actually not time travel, but rather a invisibility device. And they turned it on, and then the ship was spotted, like, I think it was half an hour later, off the coast of North Carolina. Hmm. Which, Philadelphia to North Carolina, you cannot travel that in an hour unless you're in a plane. Um, it's it's quite a distance. Uh, and then the ship reappeared in Philadelphia, in the Navy Yard, with uh, sailors, like, m- molecularly fused to parts of the ship. Uh, it's supposedly an urban legend, but th- there's a lot of people still alive today who claim they saw it happen. That they saw a burst of green light, the ship disappeared, and then it reappeared. Um, so, see that in me, that sounds more like teleportation than time yeah, travel. Yeah, but the suggestion was that it, yeah, to get there that fast. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but uh, if you want to talk about some of the more traditional folklore about time travel. I uh, my favorite one to point to is the the seethe, the fairy mounds, and the idea that you can in in Celtic uh, mythology and folklore, time is not a linear construct but a spiral con- construct, and so you can step in and out of time. So you could go to a seethe, you could step out of time, and then back onto time in another place. Mm. The only uh, issue with it being that if you stepped forward in time then you would age now see that that sounds less like time travel and more traveling between different dimensions no 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 that's that's on the same that's not so yes you are going it is multi-dimensional but Mm -hmm. you're using a separate dimension to travel between times yes but it's essentially it's less it seems as though the time travel in that instance is more of a byproduct of the different dimensions experiencing time or you, your body experiencing time differently within a certain dimension as opposed Possible. to the dimension you came yeah. from. There's, there's an episode of Star Wars Rebels where uh, Ezra steps into this other, world, other dimension um, and he can go up to different doorways that are into different points in time. And this is actually how he ends up saving Ahsoka from getting killed by Darth Vader in this mm-hmm. one big explosion. Um, but yeah, it's the same concept. It's that you can step into another dimension and going through that dimension will allow you to go into other points in time. Hmm. Another question from, uh, soupy games is, do y'all think the Bermuda triangle is as supernatural as people may think? I don't know about supernatural. There's gotta be something going on though. Um, something, something there with, you know, either the, uh, the magnetic polarity of the earth. There's got to be something that messes with planes and ships instruments. Um, but it also has to be something that doesn't happen every time. Mm. Cause a lot of planes and ships make it through the Bermuda triangle just fine. Um, so there must be something that pulses essentially. Um, what would that be? I don't know, but I, uh, you know, that's, seems entirely possible to me that there's some sort of electromagnetic pulse um that's maybe 
created by some sort of geological function we don't understand. Um, but again, I'm not a geologist or a meteorologist. But I, I would not be shocked to find out that there was some sort of electromagnetic anomaly. Mm. So uh, Scooby-Doo asks a really important question, I think, that yes. I, I, I want us to answer. Who is your favorite actor and why is it Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> First of all, it's not. <laughs> favorite actor? I... Because he's an actual cannibal. He is representing the show yeah. very well. He is on his way to becoming a Wendigo. Anyway. Um, I can't think of anything Harrison Ford has been in that I don't love. The Star Wars Christmas special? I can think of one thing that Harrison Ford has been in that I don't love. <laughs> you know what my favorite Harrison Ford movie is? What? The Fugitive. Really? That oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I lied. I don't like Blade Runner. That really? might be a controversial opinion. I don't like Blade Runner. It has too many synthesizers. The practical effects are dumb. Star Wars looked better, and it was earlier. And why is San Francisco or LA or wherever they are, I can't remember, why is it half Japanese? Because it was the future. Think about how... Well, much... So in the future, everything is half Japanese? Think about how much Japan has influenced American culture at this point. We're not half Japanese. Of course not. Also, it's based off of uh, the, the Philip K. Dick novella, Do Androids Dream of Robotic Sheep? I think that... I, I think that's it. I'm amazed that you're yeah. angry about the synth because that's one of the best parts is the um, film score. Oh god, I hate the score. I really? Hate it. I hate it so much. Look at this guy. Um, but do androids dream of electric sheep? Electric sheep. That's it. Hmm. In do androids dream of electric sheep? There's been like a massive global cataclysm mm -hmm. where it's not explicitly said what it is, but the Earth becomes unin almost uninhabitable mm. um, between radiation and just smog and all sorts of things the earth is almost uninhabitable the entire reason that these synthetic people exist um is because they needed slaves on mars and they didn't want to use actual people for that mm. so the entire you know moral dilemma that is the novel is completely left out of the film so it can be an action movie and it's not action-packed enough to be an action well, movie. Well, the, the moral dilemma is still there. It's there, but it's not there. Like it it's is not there. Like it it's, is at the forefront of the novel. It's not like it's there in 2049. In 2049, they they pump up the. I haven't seen 2049 yet. Oh, that's that's great. It, arguably, I was watching it in a hotel in State College, and I fell asleep. That's fair. Because it had commercials. That's fair. That's but fair. anyway, yeah, carrying anyway. on. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the pile of shoes found in Nevada from John Bradley? I just started looking into that. I will need to get back to you, John Bradley. Um, it is real. It is a real thing. When I first saw it, I thought it was BS. Um, I thought it was somebody doing some, you know, some of that spooky, like, oh, the mermaid skeleton was found off the coast of blah, blah, blah. Like... Which is obviously fake. Um, oh yeah, today's the first day of Shark Week. I forgot. Oh yeah, uh, but throw yeah. That on after this. So um, the shoes thing, though, I I, I looked it up. Eight thousand children do go missing in Nevada every year. Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Four hundred sixty thousand people go missing in the U.S. every year. Most of them are found. Um, 
But 8,000 people go missing in Nevada every year. I forget if it was just children or if it was people in general. I'm going to say it's like people because that's a lot of kids to go And it's it. like 200 of those 8,000 each year are never found, um, which is a lot of people. Um, what are the stories from the people that have been found? And, you know? No. But, uh, and, and then they've, they're, they're finding these caves that are just full of human bones and children's shoes. Uh, which... What was it? Sorry. Caves? Caves. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's... I, I need to look into it more. That's definitely one that's piqued my interest, but I haven't had a good chance to really look into it yet. Um, definitely something freaky going on there. Very weird that not everybody knows about that. You would think that that would be, you know, top top of the news. You would. But uh, like many things that happen in Nevada, we just never learn the motive or what happened or how one man managed to fire off several thousand rounds from a semi-automatic rifle in a hotel in Las Vegas and why there were multiple angles caught on film of people shooting and why it sounded not like an AR-15 with a bump stock, but rather an M249 squad automatic weapon. Moving on. Uh, uh, Stranger from a far off land asks, have y'all heard of Nahuales, N-A-H-U-A-L-E-S. Uh, my mom has told me stories of them, and they have some striking similarities to the Fleshy Boys. Heard of them, yes. Done in-depth research on them, no. But they are on my list for this week. There we go. Okay, it is 8.26. We've got about four minutes left. All right. If, if you've got pressing questions, you better hit those Super Chats. Otherwise, yep. we're cutting this Sup off at 8.30. Yep, Super Chat is the, the way to do it. We're, we're going to do one more unless we get Super Chats. Um... So the one I'm going to choose as the potential last one is, this is a fun one, from Corrupt Slack Row Podcast. Would a flesh pedestrian be able to be killed by a big predator like a T-Rex or something? Ooh, T-Rex versus flesh pedestrian. Um, here's the thing. Uh, T-Rexes probably were not hunters so much as they were scavengers. Did you know I knew about dinosaurs? I know now. <laughs> Wait, no, I, I was a... I was a huge dinosaur kid. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Wait, I'm curious. Why scavengers for T-Rex? So, uh, as far as... Okay, so as far as we knew when I was actually interested in dinosaurs... Yes. T-Rexes were probably solitary. Their little tiny arms weren't very useful for much. Yep. Um, and, but what they could do was scare off other predators. So, they would generally wait for smaller predators to um, kill something. And then they would come in and be like, get out of here. My food. Um, now, so I, I would say also velociraptors were nowhere near as big as they are in Jurassic Park. They were yep. more the size of a chicken. Yep. Um, still terrifying. But if you wanted to talk about a dinosaur that I think would have the best chance against a flesh pedestrian, I would go with the Allosaurus. Uh, they, as far as we know, hunted in packs, cared for their own injured, and, uh, were resilient enough that we have found lots of fossils of them with, mended bone breaks hmm. so it's one of the only animals that we find fossils of mended bone breaks because usually if a wild animal breaks something it, it ends up dying so allosauruses they manage to actually care for their injured pack mates uh, until they were healed enough to at least keep up with the herd and perhaps help with hunts um the Allosaurus is also the only reason that I consistently remember that the state of Wyoming exists. 
That's funny because in the because uh, Big Al in the in the thing earlier, there. Uh, people were talking about the non-existence of Wyoming in the chat a bit earlier. So. Yeah, no, uh, I know Wyoming exists because I watched a dinosaur movie that took place in Wyoming when I was three years old. There you go. Uh, we have two super chats. The first Ooh. one from Madeline Anderson. Will you talk about flesh pedestrians again? Will you wear wigs? Then hmm? will you wear wigs? I don't know the... Okay, the Lord of the Rings fans in, okay. the, in there are going to laugh. Uh, when will I be talking about flesh pedestrians again? Well, will, will I, you? Will I? Yes. I probably. I would assume so, considering <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the basis I, of the... I think it's getting to the point where it would be worth it to do an entire Friday episode on skinwalkers, an entire Friday episode on Wendigos. I think that's a smart plan. I might even go into like the internet ones, like the Rake and uh, Fleshgates, or I might do Rake and Fleshgate in one video. Yep. But I would say, yeah, probably... I'll probably do a full video on Skinwalkers, a full video on Wendigos, and then uh, a video on the Fleshgate and the Rake. And as I dig up some of the, the, the European variants and the African variants, the Asian variants, then those walls will probably all get their own videos. You got to remember, we plan on doing this pretty indefinitely. Yep. Um, so if there is a flesh pedestrian out there, I will discuss it. Um, at length. At length, yeah. More than once. So we are trying to get a little bit more structured with the way we do the show each week and kind of build up to these podcasts, uh, you know, starting at the beginning of the week with some shorter videos on certain things and then doing a lore video on Friday and then a podcast that expands upon it. Uh, we're also looking into getting some guests. We're looking into doing some on-location stuff. But yeah, yep. we will be discussing Flash Pedestrians more. Yes. What's the... And then the last uh, super chat, which was the largest super chat, uh, doesn't actually have a question because it said the message was retracted, but it was four ninety nine from Christine Pambiano Bennett. Oh, it's my mom. Yes. Hi, mom. Love you. Thank you for the support. <laughs> I wonder what the message was. <laughs> uh, from what I saw, it was a little like GIF, uh, like emoji thing. All right. Well, uh, but yes, I'll ask her what it was. Exactly. But anyway, it is 8.31. It All is right. time for us to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up and take 15 to drink some water. Uh, you know, go... House some donuts. Yeah, go cry and cuddle in the bedroom. And then uh, come back out and uh, hang out in the... the Discord. The Discord, yeah. Yes. So again, if you're not in the Discord, get in the Discord. Uh, if you are in the Discord, we'll see you in 15 minutes. Sounds good. Thank All you right. for showing up, everybody. We look forward yep. to seeing you again next week.